Party. <lacht> Good evening and welcome to The Joust. My name is Nagy. I'm here as always with my co-host Liam McNeil. But Joustus, we have a special guest for you tonight. This man was uh, was referred to by Robert Dillon, sports journalist, sports journalist Robert Dillon, as the most underrated Knights player to ever pull on the jersey. Uh, he amounted 100 first grade games for the Knights. 101, 101 Nagy. 101 uh, in a lot of various positions. It's the man that we call waltzing. Matt Hilda, welcome to The Joust. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Now, first question. The name Waltzing. Did you ever get that on the field or is that a fan creation? No, that was a Ray Hadley creation. Oh, beautiful. Ray Hadley, yeah. the man we all sure. love. I remember someone come to me and saying, oh, the best nickname in the game. I'm going, what are you talking? Because my nickname was Trouble. Everyone used to call me Trouble just for... What was that? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't go into that. But, um, yeah, and then they started calling me Waltzing, and they said Ray Hadley had been saying it on when he was calling the games on the radio or whatever. Amazed that anyone listened to Ray Hadley long enough to get that out of him. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> not a fan. He's back. He's back into it. He oh, is. He, he is. Yeah. Be. He is, but he shouldn't be. We yeah. <laughs> we have some thoughts on this show about Ray Hadley. I've come full circle with Ray Hadley. I used to like listening to him. Well, when he was on the Continuous Call Team, really like the Continuous Call Team, and yeah. then and then, but as a commentator, not so much. No, but you know, or a bloke as a human being, <laughs> quite so much. But <laughs> so, Matt, you finished up with the Knights uh, in two, a few years ago, 2014, was it? That you finished up, and uh, I think so. Yeah. What, yeah. What's it been like, uh, life after footy? It's been good, busy, uh, just going back into the workforce, plumbing. Plumbing, Doing yep. that, yeah, into that. So we started our own business and that's going good. Fantastic. At the moment, yeah. Chose to settle here at uh, in Newcastle after... Yeah, we always were going. Oh, we travelled. We come When we first come here, we sort of said, oh, we'll go back to Sydney eventually. But as we sort of stayed longer, we grew to love the place and the kids were growing up and loved it. So we just thought we'd stay and... You know, could you not? It's the greatest oh, place on earth. Yeah, yeah, you're dead right. <laughs> go back to Sydney and you're just going, oh, no. Nah, I don't get, get why people back up there. Yeah, nah. What's it like having weekends? Do you enjoy that? Because I imagine being a footy player, you never get a weekend off. What's it like? Yeah, well, it's been a few years since I've had the boot, pulled the boots on, so it's sort of um, that novelty's worn off a bit. But it's, <laughs> yeah, it was good at the first half. It was like, yeah, we can <laughs> we can plan trips and holidays and go away and, and all those good things and... The family was grateful for that as well, and yeah, we we did have a few good holidays after the season, the footy finished. But I sort of dabbled a bit, playing a bit of park footy back in Sydney and that, so it was never really a clean cut transition. So it's a nice easing out process. Yeah, yeah. I you sort yeah. of blended out a little bit. Oh, you mentioned Sydney, so you're you're from Cronulla, that's correct, and then yeah. uh, and then you you found yourself uh, in 2001 making your debut uh, with the Cronulla Sharks. What was it like uh, hitting first grade? Oh, it was good. It was good. You know, I grew up probably within a kilometre from Shark Park um, all my life. So junior years was always walk down the footy, watch the Sharks play, Paul Green, Andrew Eddinghouse and all them players. It was, it was great. It was a great childhood. Um, and it was something I really value was playing first grade for Cronulla. And, um, you know, come, when I come to the Knights, it was a similar thing seeing Kurt and Denny and all that, how they, you know, had the passion for the jersey it was this, Similar feeling I had with with the Sharks back back then. Glad you brought up those old players because I thought Nathan Long, Cronulla prop, long blonde hair, he was a Martin Lane clone with blonde hair. He was one of the most underrated props. Were you a fan of Nathan Long's? I don't know why that name just popped into my head. <laughs> I don't know who that think is. Think about late 90s Cronulla teams. Martin Lang and, and Nathan Long. Yeah, it was yeah. those two yeah. in the front row. They were charging, yeah. That was <laughs> yeah. great. He was like, yeah, an albino Martin yeah. Lang. It was amazing. But you got to debut under Chris Anderson, Chris you Anderson, mentioned yeah. earlier, one of the greatest coaches ever. He, you must have learned a lot from him, I imagine, coming through. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. He was, he was, he was more of a, play, a coach who the players respected, I think, more than showing them skillful side of the game or anything like that. And I think that's half the battle to get the players playing for you as a coach, and that's something he did really well. Um, and we had Brett Kamali there as well, and he he was sort of the mastermind of all the all the sort of footy side of things and. And Chris is the one that fired everyone up and got him going. So it worked for him at Melbourne and sort of worked at Cronulla for a bit. And then it just 
faded out. <laughs> well, as I think we're learning a lot over the last week in the NRL, that seems to happen with coaching. It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a cutthroat industry. It's yeah? got a bit of a fade. So you're obviously idolising playing for Cronulla. Now you get your shot uh, with Cronulla outside of uh, playing with Brecken Morley as well as uh, greats of the game like Jason Stevens and David Peachy. What was it like uh, stepping into that realm? Yeah, it's good. I, them boys, they're great. I used to watch Dave Peachy and, and Jay Stevens playing when I was a young fellow and get to play with them. And they were very welcoming as senior players for, for the young people, which was, which was great. Um, and we had, we had, we had a great team there. Like as, it was a very sort of oldest, older team. Brett Kamali had uh, Jason Stevens, Danny Chris, Nutley, Chris Beattie, Danny Chris Nutley. Beattie, yeah. yeah, all them, yeah. all them players. And it was, it was good, good time to get, it was, to come through the grades and, and crack into first grade because he had such good support. With Phil Phil Bailey was there as well, and he was at the time he was probably pretty young, but he had an old head on him and he was really good. We spoke about Phil Bailey last week, actually. Funnily enough, just saying that uh, he's sort of a bit of a forgotten Origin player, playing three games in two thousand three, I think, for the Blues and, and throwing a few punches. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Webkey. Yeah. Yeah. Webke, yeah, Was he known around the club as a bit of a fighter, Phil no. Bailey, or was that no. a bit out of character? No, no, far from it. I think we had a few, nearly had a few stouses on the drink together. That's <laughs> <laughs> as far as it got with him. No, nah, he was good. He's, he, um, I don't know what happened that night. I think he just fired up, come off the bench, and and um, yeah. And Rick Origin will do that to you. Yeah, Origin will absolutely yeah. do that to. Even just yeah. watching it does that to me. <laughs> yeah. So after about five seasons with the Sharks, uh, I think in two thousand seven, so we're about six seasons. Um, signed by the Titans in their first year. If that was that right. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Well, how was that uh, coming to firstly, not only, um, you know, get, moving away from Cronulla where you, you played uh, all, your, all your professional footy up until that point, but um, to a new club that, uh, you know, that hadn't been established before. What was that like as a, as a player? Yeah, oh, it was pretty much sort of what, what I was looking for. I think I was, I had a year in reserve grade with a few, bit of first grade and, and um, it was sort of, Cronulla, they, they offered me to hang around and play, but they'd, I could tell they weren't really interested. It was just sort of one of them charity sort of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, we'll give you this. Well, yeah, yeah, right, eh? So I just, I thought, oh, what the hell, I'll, you know, and I got offered Johnny Cartwright ring me up and asked if I was keen to come up and play a bit of 5-8 with a bit of, because I was playing a bit of 5-8 in reserve grade and we were doing all right and, I don't know, maybe he see me there and he said he just needed someone to sort of lend a hand to Scotty Prince and, and, um, Preston up there just just to play sort of a backward role, run the ball a bit and um, mainly just, mainly just tackle and defend well. And just uh, that running half in the middle, sort yeah, of like just, yeah, move the yeah, ball around, yeah, yeah, don't have to control anything. Just because yeah, that's a pretty damaging um, half and fullback combination they had up there with Scotty and Preston. It must have been incredible, yeah, you know, getting to run around with them. Well, that's you know I think they spent all their money on them, on them too, <laughs> so, <laughs> so they had, didn't have much left for the five eight. <laughs> There was also there was uh, was it Luke Bailey as well in the inaugural year? Yeah, Bull I... Bailey was up there. Yeah, up there? yeah, Bull Bailey, Luke Swain was up there. Luke and, Swain, yeah, Hodge, you, you know, Hodge lives in the area. Michael Hodgson's. No, no, I don't yeah. think we do. I yeah. do. That's a name from the past. Yeah. I love all these past <laughs> names that are coming up. This is brilliant. Especially so many of them like find themselves in Newcastle, which That's is fantastic. an interesting thing. I've discussed with a, a few people I know that a lot of the old footy players come to Newcastle, like. You've got uh, Brett Mullins, I think, lives up here. Both the Hetherington boys. Yeah. There's a bunch of just retired... Is there a bit of a call around that happens? Like, yeah. you got you to check this place out. It's great. You can stick around. There's pubs everywhere. Yeah. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, it must be. I don't know. Yeah, it must be. I yeah. don't know. There's just something in the water up here that the old footy players love it. Yeah. It's brilliant. Lead. Nothing. Yeah. Smelter. It's in the soil. It's great. Yeah. It's, uh, but it's, uh, so you find yourself coming to the, to the Knights in 2008. Uh, so that's after the one year with the Titans. Was that always going to be a one year sort of a thing, or did you did you get sort of uh, poached from that? No, nah, it was it was it was initially, and then um, I spoke to John. And he said, "Yeah, you can." He was happy to keep me on. Yeah, just pretty much the same sort of deal. Um, but then Brian approached. He gave me a call, and um, he, I just the way he was talking and what he wanted me to do is more appealing than staying up there and. And doing, doing, playing a bit of five eight and off the bench type of thing. So, because Brian wanted me to play a bit of dummy half, and which is what I sort of wanted to play and a bit of back row. 
back where I was used to playing. Also, no one wants to live on the Gold Coast. I've spoken about this with Nag. He's yeah. the only person I met who enjoyed living on the Gold Coast. Everyone's like, yeah, it went for a few weeks. It was great. <laughs> but uh, no one seems to really enjoy living there long term. It's so. a hard place to settle down. Yeah, in, I'm sure I'm you would have. Were you pretty happy to get out of the Gold Coast? It just seems like it's oh, everything it, all at once. And oh, We enjoyed it. It was, it was good. For a young footy player, I imagine it's pretty yeah, good. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> my, um, my little girl, she's just been born. We moved up there. I should, yeah. I should say, speaking of your kids, we've got uh, Sonny joining us Sonny as well. in the background. In the background, give us a wave. G'day, Sonny. G'day, Sonny. Say hello. <laughs> we'll fix that in post. We'll get the volume up. <laughs> so you find yourself in Newcastle. Um, new club again after the one season. So another big change. Um, how was, what was your first impressions of Newcastle? Did you know much about the area before you came? Um, no, I didn't. I'd, I'd been just here to play footy. and um, Yeah, that's about it, I think. We... Uh, Ever since I was a junior, we'd come up from Sydney and play. We used to play out of the the dog track out there on in the middle of that when Hunter Mariners were back in the game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> oh the, uh, the the gardens, the gardens, the gardens, the gardens that's yeah. it. Played in the middle of there. Topper Stadium, it was called yeah. for a while. Breakers Stadium. I guess what was it like then, having played against Newcastle a lot through your junior years and the start of your career, and then coming to the club like Newcastle had this reputation. You come up, you get the crap kicked out of you. Did you find when you came to the club, you're like, this is, you know, I guess, why is it this way? Did you find it lived up to what you saw of it as an opposing player, I guess? Sorry for the rambling there. That's, no, that's right. right. No. When we used to come up here, it was crazy. We Even playing under 19s or 20s, whatever it was, it was packed out every every time we'd come here. And it was great. We used to love coming up here to play. Um I don't know. I think it's died down a bit. You don't get as many. Oh, probably because they don't play three grades there anymore as much. But mm. there might be something there. But yeah, it was it was nearly a full house every time we'd come up. We're even playing juniors and reserve grade and and all those things. Um, but the the thing that impressed me most about the, when I first come was how much the players cared about the place when they what they played for and um, how down to earth they were and they were just normal blokes. Much, yeah. It was coming on after uh, Joey Johns retiring in uh, sort of very early in 2007. Uh, players like uh, Bedsy and and uh, Kurt were still there. Uh, what was it like playing with uh, with with those sort of guys? That sort of uh, quite like you know prominent faces of the club. That oh, was great. Yeah, they they just do anything to win them too. <laughs> it was just it was and it, it lifts everyone around them. So that was that was good to you know de- especially Denny he sort of. He's such a nice bloke off the field, but then on the field when you're playing with him, he just changes into a <laughs> machine. He wants to win, and just yeah, it's great. And Kurt's sim- very similar. I think I think Kurt gets a lot of it from from them blokes, Denny and Joey, and all them. It's passed down. It was always uh, if, you know. You- the Knights went through a few changes while you were there as well. Uh, you know, you came in with Brian Smith, and uh, then it was into Rick Stone, and then into into Wayne Bennett. At uh, the time where you know now we're only one coach further ahead with uh, Nathan Brown, and then there's always talks of you know by the the peanut gallery of of the Knights supporters of maybe a, a different coach might be uh, you know a good thing. What, what's it like being part of a club and playing up, uh, so many different coaches, so many different styles? What's it like being in a club when when you do see that change of coach? What does it do to the to the the feel around the place. Oh, there's been some coaches, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't want to be it? a coach for love nor money. Yeah. it's no job security. But yeah, <laughs> it must be tough as a player to have that you know top influence changing very regularly. Yeah, it is because it, it just it's pretty much feels like start again. Yeah, unless huh. unless the co- especially if it's a new coach coming in, if it's a coach who's been assistant or something, then gets pushed up, then a lot of the things might say the same, but. If it's someone coming in like like Wayne, or it just it's pretty much oh we'll, we'll just start again. Because it kind <laughs> of felt like that when Brian Smith left, and there seemed to be a bit of a relief, but Rick Stone was promoted from within, and it felt like it was continuing the same way that Brian had kind of started it. Yeah, and then I guess Wayne came in, and it was just a a chop, and yeah. that's it. It must have been yeah, pretty tough to yeah I to think go through. It, I think it was. I think Rick, Rick took a lot of things from Brian into his way of coaching and everything like that but he you also bring a lot of stuff himself um yeah but wait i think wayne's got his own way and he come in and was completely different and bring his whereas rick kept all pretty much the same sort of staff and then wayne just bring everyone new so it was like a new club yeah that'd be really tough to deal with now i want to bring your attention (laughs) to a particular date 
Round three, 2012, you're playing the Broncos. You kicked your one and only NRL goal. How did that happen? Were you had you come through as a goal kicker, or did hey, someone mate, throw that, the? That's a lie. You you haven't done your research. I haven't. No, I didn't. <laughs> did you kick a few at the Sharks? Yeah, yeah. I, did, I really didn't do my <laughs> research. <laughs> I kicked for. I think I kicked for most of the year one year. Oh shit! Okay. I meant one and only Knights goal. Knights Sorry, goal. Yeah, my yeah, apologies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that happened, but. You, you yeah. found yourself kicking the... But you, well, you've always sort of found yourself in uh, a lot of different positions, you know, playing in the back row, lock, hooker, started sort of in 5-8 uh, around then. So, you know, really versatile, real workman of the game. Um, you know, and that sort of showed... I think we've also got... Um, I want to draw your attention to Elliot. If you're in there, we could pop up a photo that uh, that circulated in the Herald. Now, this photo, I remember, was uh, the day after... Um, uh, a game that you played in the um, in the uh, I can't remember who it was against, but I remember seeing and you had claret coming everywhere, and everyone thought it might have been a little little da- little cut on the head. Uh, but th- this should have showed the extent of the of the cut, as well as losing a tooth the same game. Was that correct? No, that no. was. Jeez, that <laughs> <laughs> look good, don't yeah. Well, you've recovered no. brilliantly. Yeah, you, look, yeah, you, look, you look excellent. No, that was a. Oh, that was a. Tooth was previous weeks. Okay, yeah. Ah. yeah. It's glad that you can remember this from the head that, knock. That's a <laughs> sc- scar on the top. Yeah. That was Josh Dugan's stud when he <laughs> trampled on my head. Oh, Dugan's. Remember that, yeah. And the other one was, yeah, that was Joel Edwards' head. Ah, Joel Edwards. Oh, Joel so Edwards. never to be forgiven. Was he Is that a- why he left the club? <laughs> <laughs> you can't be head button Hilda. You don't go yeah. around doing that. His, widow, his widow's peak is sharp. <laughs> yeah, stabbed me. Just was, ripped him. What's it like? You obviously, you know, you hear about, you know, I think people forget about players, um, you know, as people. People like seeing the players come on to the come in, you know, play the game and they might, you know, carry an injury home, might be a broken hand or and they think and it's just a week's number for for, for um for supporters, you know, he's oh he's out for three weeks. But players obviously got to take those injuries home. Um what was it like coming home with that sort of injury? You know, and just and mm-hmm. thinking, you know, I'm sure like your, your family would have been like, Oh, he's just you know, he's he had a good game. Oh hang on a second, he's got twenty six staples up the back of his head. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it wasn't yeah, they were I don't know, they just they thought, they found it hard to believe that it wasn't <laughs> Nothing internal damage too much done. I don't, know. I don't just, think you missed much game either. Was that true? You came back for the following I missed, week? I missed one and then I'd come back for the semi and, I, and it split open again. I had a headgear on and it just... Went again. Yeah, went again and they had to do it again. I remember at the time we were all amazed seeing the footage and they said, well, he's back. It's Yeah, it oh, was... It looked I like missed a, one game and then come back for the semi-final against South, I think it was, at yeah. home. And um, I think we won and then... We lost. I don't know. <laughs> Mate, after yeah. that injury, well, yeah, yeah. no, no one's no one's. Yeah, it split open again, and then that was it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, ah, there, yeah. There's got to be some shockers. Was that uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm trying to think. Was there any? Did you ever do like any serious knee injuries? Any sort of real serious uh, ones you had to recover from? Or no, pretty not lucky? really. No, I've been good. Just just shoulder reconstructions and stuff like that, but no knees. Because none of my head knocks have been that bad. I can't remember my own name most <laughs> days. So <laughs> it's done pretty well to bounce back from that. It's um it's yeah so it's pretty crazy obviously carrying those uh you know coming home and, and having to sort of realize those sort of injuries with you know what I mean like for for, for supporters it's always you know oh you know he he'll be back next week and they're assuming everything's fine but I remember just seeing that and just thinking Jesus hmm. like that's something you don't forget about it would have been absolutely pouring out at uh, when when you got it when you got it dressed surely the yeah I, I don't know it, was, it wasn't bleeding all too much but it was just you know you had to get the ambulance and then. Sit up the hospital. Yeah, stapled it up and then come home and bleed. Just, just bled for a couple of days on the sheets. <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and that was a time before smartphones. So sitting in a hospital waiting room—that's a nightmare. Yeah. That's not a good time. <laughs> <laughs> really. I suppose you had Nokia. You had Snake. True. Uh, you know. Yeah. True. These um, when he, he had a very interesting sort of uh, end to your career because in 2013 you played a lot of reserve grade for the Knights. Uh, actually, getting the Knights uh, reserve grade. Uh, Player of the Year, uh, but also you came back for the around the semis uh, for when we had the the 2013 final run. Um, what was it like, sort of stepping away from that first grade side and still being around the squad, but then coming back at such a, a sort of pinnacle time in the year? Yeah, it was. I don't know. It, it was weird. <laughs> um, it felt. It felt like I, I. I felt like I was there, but I was. I was sort of. Not part of it, but I was, but because I was playing, but I hadn't been there all year. I hadn't played. I think I played one game maybe up until then. Yeah, and then got to play the finals. Um, but I was only I was only playing, you know, a very limited time. But it was still an important sort of twenty minutes or whatever I was playing. 
and you know a lot can happen in that 20 minutes so a lot of pressure sort of to not play first grade most of the year and come in at such a crucial time of the year was you know I felt I did feel a lot of pressure but um it was also an opportunity to to win a premiership because I thought we, we were definitely a good chance of doing it and for whatever reason we just we just didn't that's it. I think a lot of Knights fans forget that through the Tinkler era, you know, we were so close. There was yeah. that preliminary final and mm. you scored a try in your 100th Knights game, 200th NRL game. We love a milestone. We here. love a milestone. Mm. At the uh, at the Joust. Yeah. How'd it feel like on such a big occasion to get across the stripe against the Storm who, you know, around that period were just unstoppable to, you know, to score a Down a there beauty, as well. Down yeah. there yeah. against them in a clutch game on the big, you know, the big numbers day. That must have been incredible. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a great... So sort of, that's why I thought everything was, you know, from my whole career it was, you know, never had much success. And I was thinking, oh, fuck, maybe this could really, <laughs> <laughs> everything's sort of falling into place here. Yeah, yeah. We know we're, maybe this is going to be it. We might actually win it. Because I remember the week leading yeah. up, there wasn't a chance. Guys weren't given a chance. Against yeah. the Storm. Yeah, really strong oh, game. Amazing. Against, strong game yeah. against the Bulldogs. I remember having, a, you know, seeing it and everyone thought, hang, hang on, they're a real deal. I think uh, finishing seventh, I think. And then uh, the Bulldogs had knocked us out of, I think, the two previous times uh, in, in the in the finals. And everyone thought, oh, they're going to do it again. Uh, but but that year, I think the, the Knights had beaten the Bulldogs twice. Uh, and we sort of had their number that year. And, and it was just <clears throat> to see, um, you know, really strong game against the Bulldogs and then coming against the Storm where, you know, the chances were low. But it was such a... I remember, yeah, I remember I was actually... Funnily enough, I was at the, was at the Commonwealth Hotel watching that. Liam, were you, were you there? You might have been there with me. You no, I was working at the Fire Station the fire Hotel, station, actually. I wish I'd been at the Commonwealth. It's a wonderful pub. Very, very good pub. Have you ever been to the Commonwealth Hotel, Matt? Yes, I have. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful venue. Crowy, Crowy, Crowy. Crowy, Crowy loves it. It's <laughs> one of his favourites. It's uh, You see a lot of the... I think I'm the only man who's been asked to leave uh, more times than... <laughs> yeah. than he leaves under his own accord, yeah. but he might get a tap on the shoulder. No, it's a wonderful <laughs> venue. And we see a lot of the night's old boys down there, usually mm. with Crowy. Um, <laughs> I think he must have a... Con- he has a bar tab there or something going, but it's uh, <laughs> but it's it's a, a really brilliant place. Uh, we might even go there tonight, Liam, for a bit of dinner might after this. Might do that. Um, you're welcome to join us, Matt, if you like. <laughs> it's a wonderful venue. <laughs> Sounds good. What's it like when you're um, receiving... You know, obviously being part of that first grade squad for six years... Uh, and then, um, you know, you, you get the... What's it like? I've always wanted getting the... You're not making first grade this week and then you still sign the club and then next week you're playing reserve grade and then suddenly you're finding a bit more of a that leadership role in reserve grade and, and you know, do you, do you, is that a noticeable thing as a you know a player reaching the end of his career is like, okay, well, I guess this is uh, this is it now. This, I'm a, mm. you know, like, oh, yeah. To, to me, it is. Yeah. To a lot of people, it probably isn't. Yeah. But to me, I'm, I'm more of a realist and I realise that getting a bit slower, getting a bit weaker. Um, so you might as well focus your energy into something that's beneficial for uh, for the other other people, which is reserve grade. And um, oh, I just felt like, you know, I was, as much as I could play first grade, I probably wasn't up to it as what I used to be. So it was better off getting someone probably, I wasn't, you know, too unhappy about getting dropped back to reserve grade because I knew I could probably have more of an impact with the younger guys and, and, and um, have a chance at, you know, winning a comp or doing something good there. A bit more of that mentoring sort of role. Yeah, and it's, um, yeah, it was good. It was a good couple of years we had there with the younger guys and Clint Newton played a fair bit with us. And Actually, um, yeah, speaking to Clint, he <clears throat> speaks pretty fondly of his time. You know, he did a similar thing towards the end of his career, finished in reserve grade. And he speaks really, really glowingly about it. He said it was a great way to finish the career because, like you said, you get to mentor a bit more, get to work, see the young guys coming up. Mm. Um, I know people say a lot about what was happening with juniors and that when Wayne was around. But, yeah, it must have been great to see mm. the young blokes coming through and be able to have a have a hand in that and help them out. Yeah, and, ju- and just to go out and play footy, you know, it takes a lot of – Play first grade is everyone's watching you, and we're in reserve grade. No one really gives a shit what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go out and just have a bit of fun and play, and takes that pressure off, which really which makes you have a bit of fun. And it's something you don't you don't sort of get in first grade because you're everything's really scrutinised and what you're doing by coaches or all fans. Um, so in reserve grade, you stuff up, you have a bad loss or whatever. No one even knows about it really, except for the diehards. But um, yeah, so it it was good. We had a good couple of years. We only lost a few games and made the grand final a few times. So 
Well, that's why I always played second grade. Yeah. Purely by choice. <laughs> I didn't want to play first grade because yeah. of the scrutiny. That's it. <laughs> that's how I get to sleep at night. Just yeah. roll myself that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Do you have a, you have a favourite night's moment playing for the club? Uh, anything that really uh, really strikes you? Um, that semi-final was, was good. It's hard to beat. It's yeah, um, probably. It was, uh, it was like the night, you know, obviously it's been so long since, you know, not seeing a lot of final success and winning the second finals game. I remember it's at the commie, just the, everyone erupted. There was yeah. drinks, there was peanuts going everywhere. Because <laughs> I, was, I was still working, I was doing a bit of part-time work plumbing with a company, just, just you know, getting that road to when I retire, just trying to plant that seed with, with, with the company, doing a bit of work, finishing an apprenticeship actually. And then, you know, all them boys, I remember coming back to work the next week. Oh, I didn't go back to work, but I spoke to him because <laughs> <laughs> next week was pretty full on. But yeah, um, they were all so excited and like saying and how much of buzz everything was going around town. It was good, and the place went mental. It was yeah. brilliant. Did you find did the club or the NRL help out at all with that transition, or was it kind of you, you sort of had to do it all on your own? Like, is there much put in place <laughs> to help players transitioning out of NRL careers? Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, they helped me a lot. Okay, um, Dean Dean Noonan. Which he still works at the club. He was really good. Um, they sort of uh, with with trades. They don't like to do casual sort of employment and apprenticeships. So it's got to be full time or nothing. And obviously, playing being a full time footballer, you can't <laughs> commit to that. So they they actually reworked it and got the all clear from um, TAFE New South Wales and we had to do a casual sort of apprenticeship which was which helped me a lot which made means when i finished playing i was pretty much done with my apprenticeship and then could just step into being a tradesman when it was all said and done and you hung on the boots um how was it watching that uh that next you know year of footy um you know watching the nights run out and just knowing that you're not part of that squad or when it was you know time for pre-season to kick off again and you know that you know that's that's been was it was it tough to give up no not really because it <laughs> Sort of, I was still playing park footy and that sort of gave me that little bit of competitiveness and everything like that. But I don't know, like the last few years probably were a bit of a battle. Not a battle, but I wasn't playing first grade and um, it was a bit of a hard slog. So I was thinking I had enough, to tell you the truth. And so just letting them other guys run around was good. But I still I still went to the games and got excited when when the teams run out and everything <laughs> like that. You still... You still hope, think, oh, maybe you could play, but and then you think, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Have another sip of your beer, and you go, nah. <laughs> That's it. Why would you? Ra- why would you rather be out there running around when you could be yeah. sitting sipping a few frothy? Yeah, you've done your time. That's yeah. it. hang them up. It's, it's br- it was a brilliant career. Hundred uh, two hundred and one first grade games. Uh, hundred hundred and one for the Knights. Uh, again, we love a milestone. So it was nice rounded off. Uh, Time, but uh, you know, it was it was you know, it was a real pleasure to watch. Uh, hopefully, would you like to stick around? We'll talk some uh, some how the nights are going at the moment. Yep, no we'll, we'll have a halftime break, and we'll be right back with Matt Hilda. Too easy, Eddie. All right, I didn't <coughs> do my homework. So yeah. I'll do my <laughs> <laughs> She's just glorious. You wonder why they're getting rid of him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll jump back in. Welcome back to the second half of the Joust. We're here with Matt Hilda, club legend of the Newcastle Knights, uh, as well as Cronulla, as well as the Titans as well. Uh, all three. Bit of a journeyman of the NRL. Uh, getting around there. <laughs> but uh, Settled in Newcastle, though. Um, the rightful home. Now, Liam, <laughs> well, the game against the Warriors. Yes. Um, we, we went down four points to 20 uh, over there in the ditch. Uh, we did. Not an ideal result, but... Could have been a lot worse. I think once, if you watch the game, the way the Warriors were playing, I think that result could have really blown out. And the Knights showed a bit of character to not get absolutely trounced. I think it was a bit of a, like it definitely felt like a closer game watching it. The end score, I think, flat, flattered the um, uh, the Warriors a little bit. Um, you know, they they just overpowered us. I think and they felt like it was just too too strong of a. Um, too big, too strong. They came out in the second half. They've done this to us again and again. Liam, are you okay? Have, like yeah, I've something. just lost my um my hats on and hats off. <laughs> That's right. I'll, I'll, I'll kick off with the hats off for this week. For me, for me, uh, it goes to a player that I actually put my hats back on to last week, and that's uh. Uh, Ken Seo. Kenny Kickoffs. Kenny Kickoffs. Kenny um, Kickoffs is back in the good books. And I've got some stats here, Nagy. I've found my hats off page. <laughs> Kenny Kickoffs back in the good books. Of course, our stats brought to us yeah. by the. So our resident Josh Spiegelman, our resident stats man. Yep. Kenny Kickoffs had uh, 147 metres, 47 yep. post-contact metres, five tackle busts, a line break, and that try, which he had to work very hard for. So Kenny's been a, kind of a much maligned figure 
yeah. this year for the Knights. <laughs> but I think he's really showing that he, he wants to play and he, he can do some wonderful things when... He needs to, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. No, it's a, it was my hats off this week was uh, to, to Kenny. Uh, and Liam, your hats off for this week? My hats off is uh, got to go to Herman. Herman's been a great signing. Big Herman SASA. 159 metres, 62 post contact, uh, six tackle busts and 39 tackles. He's really kind of leading the team around. He's been that big, aggressive, you know, front row bastard that you need. <laughs> Emma, like That must make a huge impact having, you know, just a couple of rough nuts up front who can just... Just oh, go mental. Definitely need need one of two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could do with a few. Like more. Um, Dylan Napa the other night for the for the Roosters. Oh, he was immense. Yes, he'd be good to get. Wouldn't he's he? he's good and not good. I yeah, find. He, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. He, he plays that good one week, and then goes missing the next week. I don't yeah, know. it's it, it's like he, he uses up all his the red hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a it's the the kind of troubled nature of people with red hair. <laughs> yeah. I can say that. I've got a red beard. That's it. Hats back on for you, Liam. Hats back on. I couldn't pick one, actually. I've got to be quite honest. Watching that game, I didn't want to give a hats back on because I thought everyone kind of put in. Jack Cogger got run over a few times, but he did a few good things around the field that yeah. sort of made up for it. You know, I, I found it hard to give a hats back on because no one was particularly bad. It was just the Warriors power game just steamrolled it just absolutely ran over the top yeah it was tough I think you know Corey Dennis um, still learning out there on centre you know and people say that we deserve a better centre and um, and but you know we, without Tao uh, Tao and without Ross you know he's effectively a you know third choice centre and played a lot of it in reserve grade only a young fella but he's there was a few opportunities there that I think he uh, that, you know possibilities maybe if balls went to hand he could have Got a few points, but you know he was playing that you know very aggressive Warriors side, and I think they they managed to spin the momentum back a lot uh, against us. When we pinned them down for a uh, for a drop out, they managed to regather twice uh, with the short short kickoff, and that's just confident footy. It's hard to defend against that and and apply pressure when they're willing to take those risks. Do you remember any teams, Matt, that was really like uh, hard to play against? As far as uh, every week they were just you know if a bit of a bogey side when, when you were playing, whether it be the Sharks or the Knights. Um. Not really, eh? No, that's yeah, right. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I remember watching um, uh, switch Jets play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris Walt with the Walker brothers coach him and the way they used to do things a bit out of out of the ordinary. Yeah, yeah. It's some, something that appeals to me. If I was a coach, I'd, that's the way I'd do it. I think. Just go nuts, have a bit of fun, yeah, just, just tell the boys to play footy because it seemed to be working great for the Jets too. Yeah, they, yeah, they just had a really good run. You know, do the unexpected and put you know keeps gets them a bit off guard and. Sometimes they can sort of work yeah. in your Well, it worked for the Warriors a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. Well, they sort of went for that sort of uh, thing that they can't win without the ball in their hands. You know, you can't win. Uh, I think that's the Walker Brothers mantra. I think they always want possession. Uh, yeah. I think so. They're all... They're always fighting for possession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Make so everything a contest. Don't just kick them the ball. Yeah. You know, yeah. Even if it gives up 30 metres or whatever. Is it time for Nathan Brown to step in and tell Corey Dennis <laughs> to shave his moustache? Yeah, have you seen that thing's a nightmare? Corey Dennis has got a terrible mustache. I'm not yeah, sure. If you, I've have, seen you know, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever? Now we all know about you know coaches being involved with every level of the the team. Have you ever had a coach be involved with someone saying your haircut's shit, your mustache is terrible, <laughs> shave it or you don't play? Has that ever happened? It has, yeah. Really? Because <laughs> yeah. they always come out and say, no, no, it never happens. It never happens. But no, it has. I can't remember who it was, but I remember. Oh, where was it? Might have been. Brian Smith, or maybe, <laughs> I think. Well, there was a school teacher at one stage, yeah. Brian Smith, so maybe that was uh, bringing him back a bit to his school days, you know, yeah. spit that gum out and... Trim know, those sideburns. <laughs> trim those sideburns and... Might have been, yeah. There I was someone coming up with like a, ma- a mad... Oh, Mohawk or something? What's that bloke who plays for the Tigers on the wing there? Mahe Fanua? Yeah, Fanua. Where the shave and the... It was a haircut like that, and they said, you're not playing with that. <laughs> Good, about yeah. time. Someone's got to step in. Yeah. So, I, uh, Brown, Brownie listens to the show, well, obviously. So, Brownie, yeah. mate, pick up the phone to Corey. What Junior Sal? Oh, <laughs> I played touch footy against Junior Sal once. Yeah, I wouldn't say a word to him about his hair because yeah. his legs yeah. would—he could stump you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing a story. Not sure if it was true, but Mark Riddell apparently used to have a, a chubba chup before every game, and then, <laughs> and then it was in the sheds. And then Nathan Brown came around and said, "What's that?" He's like, "Oh, it's a chubba chup." You know, have it before the game. He has got to cut that chubba chup out. And he went out and he had an absolute shocker that game. <laughs> and then the next game, he was sitting in the sheds and he brought him a chubba chup. And he said, "There you go, suck on that." Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> so I reckon it would have been a cola chubby chow. That's always my favorite. I think it was a, a cola. I think they mentioned it was like those choc banana ones. Oh, yeah. Oh, Biggie Riddell does seem like the kind of person who would eat a choc, choc banana, banana. <laughs> chubby chow. The worst flavor. You don't see too many Piggy Riddells in the game anymore. No, so it's a bit of don't. a shame. It is yeah. a shame. Him and Georgie Rose. George like, Rose. Yeah, what? Do, yeah, I don't like the demise of the fat bloke yeah. in footy. I really don't like it. Everyone looks like athletes now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone. What about Vave from Vave from Parramatta? Oh, that's a good point though. Yeah, he's a bit rotund. He had a good he's game got a few kegs on he it. He had a good game. Was that the? Is that the? Uh, the I can't think of who it is. Is that the the redheaded bloke? No, no, no. no. He's, a, he's, a, he's an island. Yeah, he's, um, just a bit front row. Just a bigger boy. He's enormous. Well, actually, watching Greg Eastwood run he's around rare. in reserve <laughs> grade the other day, he's somehow managed to put on more kilos. <laughs> and of course, this is all uh, in the media this week with. The NRL footy show getting in trouble for fat shaming um, Dave Taylor. Yes, I don't that's think true. it's shaming. It's just some guys are big, and we <laughs> he, need them in the game. And he's put on some weight. Let's he be honest. He, he couldn't say to himself, "Oh, like he must be weighing like 140 kg or something." We already missed it. What was he doing? Oh. Oh, he was playing up. I think he's playing for the Central Queensland Capras or something oh, up he? there. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, the footy show got hold of a picture of him <laughs> out on the field, and they just slammed him. They went on for about I don't watch the footy show, but uh, they went on for about 15 minutes. Get, Saying how, about, uh, is, how yeah. enormous he's got. So yeah, but he has got fat. Though. <laughs> he has. Though, so. Apparently, when he was at the Broncos, he used to when he could get weighed in, get weighed in at, at, at times for performance managing and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, he used to just lean on his toes on the scales, <laughs> and he said it used to take off about three kilos. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he'd come in one week, and then they'd be like, "You got to lose some weight." And the next week, he would lean on his toes. Yeah, he's a clever it. boy. <laughs> a clever boy. That's uh the old Daryl Broman, uh, apparently, yeah. he said he'd been doing it for years. <laughs> <laughs> Does it really work? Apparently, well, yeah, because you take it off the center of the scale, oh, okay. so it's oh. not, um, so yeah. It's yeah. not accurate. It's not accurate, yeah. <laughs> Get weights that's and measures the, uh, in there. <laughs> that's the Brisbane Broncos who famously were known for having the McDonald's gold card for their players. <laughs> up to $20 in free McDonald's every day. That's why uh, Jack Bird. Yeah, hence we have that. We've got off track, though. We've got off track a little but bit. But we have. The Warriors game. Yes. Yeah, well, the, it was interesting to see because also it was confusing as well because the night reserve grade side uh, won that 20 to 4 and the first grade lost 20 to 4 mm. so that was a bit of a uh, yeah but uh, I couldn't really give a hats off yeah mine's Corey Dennis you're, you know, it was, it was def- tough yeah, to pick I couldn't pick one I don't know it, it wasn't a great game from the Knights but I don't think they were terrible they were just monstered by a the Warriors th- just rolling through going mental yeah yeah it's uh, Green really tore us to pieces yeah. as well through the middle um, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck I was going to put him for hats off he was immense. He ran for 338 metres, 11 tackle busts, a yeah. couple of offloads, a couple of line breaks. He was. Jeez. It's easy to forget that because he's over at the Warriors, they maybe don't get the coverage over here that a lot of other players do. It's easy to forget that on his day, he's, one, he's arguably the best fullback in the world. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Well, three, 300 plus metres, you know, that's oh, incredible. Yeah, that's yeah, the guy's a freak. So... I got to ask, he gets also, my hats off as well. We were talking last week about reading, you know, growing up reading rugby league weeks, um, always in the stat sections, like in, in reading like the hit ups and the meters and the tackles. Does that go around the players at all? Do you ever like, a, you know, check out your how many tackles you made and be like, oh, 42 this week, you know, or anything like that? Or is it just sort of like it was done's done? <laughs> Um, I, don't, I don't know whether they have conversations about it, but <laughs> I'm sure they check it when they get home. <laughs> straight online. It's all online now, we, is it? You mean, we used to have little benchmarks we sort of had to meet and everything like that um so you always just check and see if you're up to scratch okay. anyway because it's it's performance you know you yeah want to so be meeting your benchmarks and all that because the one you hear about now is um with super coach and you know i remember hearing it's a few players they go yeah. into um the dressing shed before training or whatever and they check their super coach price see oh i've gone up this week you've gone down blah blah <laughs> you got this many points on and then the coach will like no nope, can't do it can't do it but it's, let the boys have some fun yeah, <laughs> yeah. I suppose it's on that. Yeah, you, well, you talk about price then and yeah. performance. Yeah, I suppose but it's, it's all fine. made it's up all, numbers, Nagy. It's true. It's not real. Yeah, is it? it's not real. Yeah, well, it's real to some people, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> now we've lost three in a row. Uh, three in yeah. a row since the Titans game, and now we are on on a recount uh, after we've celebrated not uh, being able to get the spoon this year. Uh, we're in mathematical chance to get the spoon. Um, we've we've been informed by a few uh, keen jousters that we are in fact. Uh, if the uh, bottom three sides win two of the next three, which uh, is improbable but is still possible, uh, and four and against will be at the bottom. Now, this is um, an interesting thing because we got the spoon in 2005. We got the spoon on 20 points with an extra buy. We won eight games that year. Uh, 2015, 20 points, um, eight games, still got the spoon. Now, this year we've won eight games again, 18 points, only because there's one less buy. 
So, so it's a bloody NRL. Well, <laughs> yeah. Cheers, guys. But They've we, really screwed us there. We broke the record for the most points uh, for, to get the spoon in 2005. We equaled it in 2015. 2016-17 is a different sort of kettle of fish, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it could have happened to us again. I, I really hope four spoons isn't a possibility. Yeah, I didn't want to have to discuss mm. this because I really didn't want it to, but four spoons, that's just... Oh, As, have you ever played? Because I, I believe you're tender. There, you never got the spoon. It's. It, do you ever play for a side that got the spoon? No, yeah. we we only won six games one year in Cronulla. Yeah, and we didn't get the spoon. So, huh? <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. I know. It's uh, so it's not always that's re- insane. So it's really unfair, I suppose, to represent like you know, a spoon's a spoon, and the worst, you know, the worst of the sixteen. But there's a huge variant. Yeah, I think yeah. South were pretty bad back then. Oh yeah, yeah it was South in the early two thousands. Like two, four, <laughs> get, two or three games a year. That was a rough time for South. I remember, and it's weird to see South being successful now. I still have that. I still feel sorry for them. Yeah. Because I grew up when they were, you know, that late nineties, early two thousands period. They were just terrible, and then they got kicked out. Yeah. They came back in, and they were still terrible. Mad Dog was there. Mad Dog was there for a <laughs> yeah. bit. Owen oh, Craigie went Walk, there. Walkers brothers. Walkers were there, and it was like. I always felt so sorry for them. So when they won the premiership in 2014, I remember them lifting the trophy and I was like, oh, poor Souths, you know, they, they have a tough time. Of it. <laughs> I can't yeah. do that anymore. No. No. no, Because they were poor, terrible. It's poor us. We've got we to gotta make sure we don't get a fourth. Yeah. And so three games. We've got Penrith this week. How do you think we're going to go against Penrith, Liam? Uh, Ponga was talked about being rested, but not the case. I believe Tony Ayub has said that Ponga's looking like he will play. He's recovered really well. Better yeah. than they'd expected from that ankle that was flaring up a bit. And Penrith... God knows. <laughs> Heaven only knows what the hell they're going to come out with on the you know next round because what they showed against the Titans was that they were terrible, but they still won. Um, you know, when your coach has been sacked, they want to get behind the reserve grade. Oh, sorry, the assistant coach who's now come in, Cameron Serraldo. So you would have played with Cameron um, when he's doing yeah, the knots. Good mates of Cam. We, oh, our yeah. families, yeah. So, How's he doing down there? Because it sounded like under Hook, he was kind of brushed aside a bit. And well, he yeah, was always a well, player's favourite or something. Yeah. Like that. He's um oh he's a, he's a good fellow, so he probably gets on with the players a lot better than what the head coach would. Um, but he's very he keeps everything close to his chest. He never really told me what the inside story was yeah. down there. But um, no, he's he's done well. His record speaks for himself. I think. Even though he, the cattle he's had sort of had in, in his twenty sides and that, but he's he's done a great job with them and um yeah hopefully he sort of hangs around there and gets a gets a gallop first grade in the next couple of years or whatever. He's got a big, yeah. he's got a good rap on him. He's definitely I, getting a lot of exposure, and especially if they can finish the year well, he's putting himself in a great position. So yeah. Yeah. Well, if you t- mate, that pens haven't been going real good for the last few weeks. So yeah. If he can turn it around for the back end of the year, they can perform well in the semis. And, and that's what worries me. Like the players seem to quite like him. They're now they've now got a coach who they want to play for. They could go absolutely mental and put a hundred points on anyone, given yeah. the talent that they've got. And it just so happens that we're up next. And <laughs> I, again, it, it was like going to the Warriors game. I really have no idea what this game is going to do. It could go anywhere. Yeah, uh, but it's. Uh, I think James Maloney might be out with an knee injury, so oh. a bit interesting there. Yeah, but, uh, no, that won't be, that won't help them at all. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. The, the the Panthers are just in such a weird place at the moment that it's, it's hard to get them. Time for the news, Liam. Ah, time for the news. Penrith, yeah. we've got to talk news. So the bloody coaching cycle is still ticking along. And yeah. uh, as we spoke about with you earlier, you know, it can't be easy for a club going through that. So Penrith have obviously let Hook go. Cameron Serraldo's come in. And now, in a further step for the coaching merry-go-round, Trent Barrett has announced that he will quit Manly yeah. if they don't give him... A- money because it sounds like they're just hemorrhaging and going to hell. It was interesting because we all think, you know, Liam and I have been thinking that Manly is a really shit club uh, for, for years now. Basically and since the day we were born. And now, we were born to hate Manly. <laughs> and now even their head coach agrees that Manly's a shit club apparently to to, uh, to be a part of and, and is you know, said that he wants out. Uh, do, do you think? He, he said that really? <laughs> well, he's asked. He's, I think he's, he's he's threatened court, and he's uh, he's he said a few different things that yeah. it's a bit disparaging about the clubs. Well, he's a conspiracy theory. Hit us with it. We love it. <laughs> we love him. We love him. Good. I oh, know Cameron and Trent are good mates. Oh, okay, okay, all right, okay. All right. And how, how does Trent get on with Gus? <laughs> well, that's, that's well, that's where that's the one where it remains to be seen. And then I think Johnny Cartwright, he had his time at Penrith as well, so yeah, I think yeah. they're a package deal. And who knows? Oh, because he's, he's at the Manly too, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. I think I think they've said that like Barrett and Cartwright, they're together. They go together. So if they're mates with uh, 
Hey, there it is. The big CC. There it is. There it's it been, is. You've, you've heard it here first oh, in the Joust. Gus, oh. Gus loves the lo- Cartwright's a local junior, Penrith. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, won the he premiership at 91, I'm yeah. pretty sure, as well. And the other thing that makes me think that's true is that Gus came out in the media a few weeks ago and said that Trent Barrett will not be coaching at Manly next year. And he's lied about everything else. So that <laughs> one's got to be true. Absolutely. So that you heard it here first, first Jousters. Yeah, Barrett. I think that'd be. I think Trent Barrett would be a really good coach at, at Penrith. Yeah. He's he'll right. have money. He'll yeah. have Sis a squad. Dual coaches, Barrett. He, yeah. yeah. He won't have to coach out of the demountables behind the toilet at Brookvale. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, yeah, that could be a good one. But further coaching news, Wayne Bennett won't be offered a new contract. Well, there you go. At the Broncos, which is the weirdest thing. I, I never thought the Broncos would say to Wayne, we're not renewing you. I thought they'd be like, well, you're just kind of here till you die. Obviously, when he left, it <laughs> That could be any day now, turn. mind you. Yeah. yeah. But like you would have um, played, played under played. Wayne and learned about what, what's... What do you think Wayne's going to do? Does he love Brisbane? Does he say, well, I'm hanging up the boots? I don't, well, not the boots, the clipboard. The clipboard, yeah. I guess, yeah. When you put down the whistle? No, that's more that's of a refereeing, yeah. Uh, yeah he's, he's done it for so long and it's going to be hard for him to sort of give it up, I suppose. But if he's given no choice... Yeah. Um, I don't know. Results sort of speak for themselves. You, no one's sort of invincible. They've got to, Everyone's got to pay the price if you're not performing. So does Wayne pay the price or does he does he just get to stay? Cause he's yeah. Because he's won six premiership for him. Because <laughs> it's funny because what I, I remember hearing about um, when they started the club and Wayne Bennett never signed a contract. The first stint of the Broncos, which was that hugely successful time, he never actually signed a contract. It was always just handshake deals. So to hear that they're not offering him one is a bit strange. And I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. I'm sure he'll keep coaching. Liam, we've got a couple of uh, changes to the Knights coaching side as uh, coaching do. squad as well. Yeah. Now Mick Potter and Tony Ayub have been announced by Barry Tui, good friend of the show today, that mm. they'll be leaving at the end of the year. Um, both um, because Phil Gardner says that coaching staff need to be located in Newcastle. You need to come up, which I think is important. They both had family in Sydney, I think. Yeah, yeah family yeah. in Sydney. So I think it's important if you're building up a coaching staff, you want them based in Newcastle so they can dedicate themselves to the team. And the word is that Christian Wolf from the Townsville Blackhawks and the Tongan national side, it will be coming in as an assistant coach, which is great because he's shown that he's a hell of a coach. What he's done with the Tongan side is just unbelievable. It's gonna be. Are you, are you familiar with all of those? No, no it's. Uh, oh. I wasn't. I wasn't even sure of the the team that you mentioned that he'd coached previously. Yeah, Townsville Black. He's coaching them currently in the oh, Queensland Cup. Uh, but yeah, okay. what he's done with Tonga has just been ridiculous. He's got them on the verge of being a tier one nation, and yeah. they were kind of, you know, those island teams had previously been. Well, if you don't get picked for Australia and New Zealand, you know, well, I've, and then he I've was got the a grandfather from there, and he yeah. kind of came into the Tongan setup and said, "Well, no, you." You have to play for us. You're a proud Tongan. You want yeah. to choose that. And seems like he's really got the players on side and just made a hell of a culture there. So I think Christian Wolf, if we get him as assistant coach, could be one of the signings of the year. Could be really positive. We're trying to open your sack, Liam. It's a big sack. It's a big zipper. It's a large sack, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's medically unfit. <laughs> now, now, I will say, Daniel Turner, your questions were excellent, but... Couldn't fit them into the show because that would be a three-hour show. So yeah. I'm going to take to the internet and answer them in essay form for you, Daniel. So keep an eye out. I'm going to have a few beers and uh, get the pan out and see what happens. I think we've got time for two questions. We've got two. time for two questions. First one from Joel Southgate. Thoughts on Corey Dennis rejecting an extension from the Knights to look elsewhere? That's brave for him, I think. That's uh, a brave one, I think, yeah. Uh, like, look what happened to Brock Lamb. If you're not sure if you kept up with Brock Lamb, recently uh, rejected well, at the start of the season a reportedly $250,000 contract contract. Uh, to, to and then uh, then recently an Eels contract for 105,000 supposedly this is all money that was just mentioned on paper was taken off the table so he's found himself in a bit of limbo as far as where to go and playing in reserve grade obviously it's hard to to uh, you know to improve your your, your net worth um, yeah I think Dennis might be in a bit of the same situation it's a it's a weird time to reject an extension to look for other clubs when he's probably not in great form you know he's kind of been thrown in a bit to do what he can and mm. I don't know, it's a tough one he doesn't seem to have much bargaining power in it all no I don't, I don't know if that's is it true apparently yeah. <laughs> apparently yeah it's Barry Tui uh, maybe yes yeah, it, was yeah, it was Barry Tui I think yeah, yeah. I, it was like we said earlier as long as you got that moustache no one's signing <laughs> no well, even as a player if you down the bottom of the table you really haven't got much to stand on do you yeah and you're it's not setting the world alight it's uh, a strange one yeah. I don't I'm not sure I understand but yeah it was. it's like the lamb situation again you know he Offered an extension, says, no, nah, I'm going elsewhere. Could be because, you know, these players have been thrown in young. They think they're NRL standard, maybe. 
but then the reality, harsh realities of professional sports might <laughs> sm- smash him to pieces. Do you think that might be the case, Matt? Do you think like you think he's on like a bit of energy, getting a bit lot running first grade for the first time, thinking I could do this here, I could do this anywhere, sort of a feel. Yeah, maybe, but it's, it comes down to they've got maybe they've got no one else to put in there, so they've yeah. put, they've put him in there. I'm not saying he's he's no good. I'm just no. I'm he's, just well, he's only he's, a young fella. I think yeah. with work he well, could be very good. With with Jesse Raymond and Edric Lee in fighting position against still existing players like Skidzy and Ross, maybe and just Talmoga and Talmoga. Well. There's probably just no room for him, so maybe he's just thinking I can't sign here because I won't get any more first grade run. Maybe yeah, there's a, there is a lot of lot of things. That, you know, we don't parts. know, so yeah. yeah. Which I think the fans, as fans, we forget that all the time. I forget mm. that all the time. It's like, why don't they do this? Well, because they're doing twenty-five other things yeah. to he, make he, up for that. He might be looking at elsewhere because he wants opportunity elsewhere. Mm. Maybe it's going to yeah. be interesting. That'll Final be an qu- interesting one for Final Corey question Dennis. for the Nightland. Now, Dave Blanderson. This is something we've discussed earlier in the year, but was kind of ruled out because Bennett was looking to stay at the Broncos. But with Wayne Bennett potentially moving, Tavita Pangai Jr. is unsigned for next year and has made it clear that he's staying at Brisbane because Wayne's there. Mm. If Wayne leaves, TPJ's off contract, do we open this war chest that we've got and bring the kid home? I say yes. <laughs> I say throw the, give him the keys to the city, give him the mayor's office, I don't care, <laughs> a penthouse on Honeysuckle, give him everything. He bring, would be bring him here. an insanely good signing, TPJ. It's going to be good, oh. hopefully good to see him. Do you think, is there any player you see out playing for another club, you're like, gee, the Knights could use him? Seguiaro. Seguiaro. Oh, okay. he'd, he'd be a good bench I think, I think we just like that impact off the bench in the mm. WF role. Spark. Yeah, he'd be great. He was really good on the weekend against yeah. Melbourne. I yeah. think he's not used enough in Cronulla. Yeah, he's only, he only comes on sometimes at no. the back end of the game. Oh, I love Segi. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a massively underused. Yeah. I guess because <clears throat> trying to you know get Braley into an 80-minute hooker, yeah. and then it's like, well, why do you need a bench utility? So just throw him on for a few minutes. Yeah, he's being underused over there, I think. Yeah, but I then it's think. like, well, where do you fit him in with Slade Griffin? and Move Slade to the back row. And Slade then... to the back row. Yeah. But then you've got Levi and Jamie Burrow. Where do you put Jamie Burrow? Too many hookers. Yeah. The, um, but you've heard it here first. Bring Seggy back to the club. Yeah, well, I like For the it. first time. <laughs> I like it. Plus, Newcastle but... nightlife, he would shine. Yeah. <laughs> I think he would be... Wait, he'd make the exchange. That could be the carrot. Just yeah, yeah. The, uh, exactly. Up the fr- F3. Just thinking, uh. Saying, have you, have, you, have you been to Fanny's before? Yeah. <laughs> Argyle, whatever Argyle, it's called. Sorry. The Commie. The Commie. Yeah, the Commie, yeah, the no, commie we Hotel. We prefer to go to the Commie we always, prefer the, we always prefer the Commie. Thanks yeah. very much for joining us, Matt Hilda. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you always, Liam. Uh, if you like our stuff, please watch us on Facebook, YouTube. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, all the pipes. Uh, and uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully celebrating a win against Penrith. Thanks again, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Beauty. Yep. Hey, that was awesome, man. Oh. Well, sorry, Sonny. I know you're... <laughs> Thank you, Sonny, for hanging around. Patience. What did you think? Your dad did good, huh? Eh?